Welcome to episode 707 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 707 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James. Oh, how you going, mate? Pretty good, Bevan, and you? Oh, mate, pretty good too. That's good. Did you watch the cricket? I watched some of the cricket. We're back in, back in, beating the best in the world, beating oh. India. Almost pulled their pants down. Cricket, five-day matches for you Americans. Yeah, it's it really sport like that. No, it's, it's silly sport. But oh, you basically, awesome you're basically supposed to have two turns at bat and... We almost beat them by uh, one whole turn at batting, so we almost only had to bat once. We had to come back out and get nine runs, which takes five minutes. On Radio Sport this morning, they were saying in the, in the 80s this happened, and they needed two runs, so they sent out Danny Morrison oh. and Martin Snedden. <laughs> New Zealand jokes. <laughs> which, which are the basically, Danny Morrison had the most ducks, which is basically the worst batting of all time, and uh, they could have done that, couldn't they? Nice. Now, before we start the show, Bevan. Oh, um, we're an official, are we? Yes. I'm not happy. Oh, Starting on a rant. Starting on a rant. And it's nothing to do with triathlon. Is it me? In New Zealand, we have, in Christchurch, we have green bins. You put all your recycling oh, and your composting in your green bins. Yep. And there's a few no-nos with green bins. What is it, John? You don't put flax in a green bin. Why? Because you're not allowed to. It doesn't decompose and it ruins all the machines out of the decomposing um, depot. So No one's ever told me that. Well, I'd be surprised if your green bin gets collected this week. Cause no, because we do pop- all the time. My apologies on behalf of Bevan to all our workers at the dump and our depot refuge stations. Disgusting. Wait, 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 wait. back it up. When you take when you get when you get the trailer, yeah, and you put all your green stuff in there, and yep. you go jump up it there, you dump flakes in there. No, you do not. I do. You do not. I was even out there the other day. I had I, I had something that was kind of like flax, and I said to the guy, "I don't think this is okay." Is it? And he said, "No, it's not." So I went and I now I did do the naughty thing. Then I went and dumped it in the General. Oh wait a second! The general, general comp the area which you're supposed to pay extra for, but I was so wait, pretty quick. So you're willing to be a criminal? Yes, I'm just naive. Double standards. It's okay with me. Now, what was that Facebook post you put up this week? Someone we'll talk about that later on. Because <laughs> okay, you, I think I've got you. And for you, not Coach John Newsom. Double standards, double standards Newsom. Newsom. I'm okay. Okay, okay. This week's show is proudly brought to you by our patrons. And we've got who here, John? Colin, the convict Belowski. And then we've got Jeremy. W Special Agent Ryan and Simon the pa- Simon Pace the setter the Pace setter yeah that's, that's how we meant to go there John uh, news this week we've got some news we've got a hot topic of the week we've got age group of the week and we've got an interview that we actually did in the studios last week John Sonia Bracegirdle who some of you may or may not have heard of she's actually a Kiwi not really based here that much but she was in she's been in New Zealand the last couple of months uh, an Iron Woman and she's had a couple of podiums on the Iron Man circuit so we thought we'd get her in and have a chat yeah it was a good interview actually really nice person um, and her husband was nice as well yes you know, sitting in the corner. we have to have the husband in the room as well I know no, I tell you uh, the news this week gone so we had uh, 70.3 G long happen and Hamburger and Wells dominated the dojo. It wasn't dominate, but both took out the race. Well, so Hannah Wells backing up one week after Monica. 
challenged Monica, went over there and resumed her winning ways uh, over 70.3. She got beaten last week by Red Kakarafelt, and it was a bit of a dojo domination, winning by six minutes uh, over Grace Thick. And then on the, the guys' side, pretty stacked field. You had Josh Amberger in first in 3.44.08, uh, 30 seconds back to Sam Appleton, uh, and then those two had a good uh Gap back to Tim Van Berkel, who did have the fastest run of the day with a 112. Tim Reed, Matt Burton, who was also doubling up from the weekend before, and in sixth place, Craig Alexander, and uh, with a 113.23 run, so second fastest run of the day. Dude can still, uh, you know, hang with the best of them. Well, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, first of all, I love that he's still racing pro mm-hmm. because he can still match it to a certain level. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's not what he was at his peak, but I still love, you know, because. He would be the classic, oh, he's ruining age group racing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the guy is 46 years old. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's not really of a peak condition for a pro. But I love that he's doing it. But it's also really fascinating he's not losing his runtime. Well, Brownie is much the same. His runtime's still been really, really competitive. He's lost it in the swim, uh, and he seems to be slowly losing it in the bike. But his run is generally Which is pretty really consistent. Which is really bizarre, because if, if you were to think, of an, a triathlete who's aging, who's been in the game for a long time, where would they lose their speed first? You'd, you'd assume running, wouldn't you? Well, I think they probably have lost their speed for running. Like if they were to go and do a hard 5K, I'm sure they would probably be declining in that but area. Even, even at these distances, you But at a distance, it, yeah. A one thir- for half marathon, still being out of 113, it's not too shabby. And an Ironman. Mm. And then um, also doubling up from last weekend was Rebecca Clark, who you heard on the show from last week as well. Okay, Craig Alexander's got a couple of books out. Who has? Craig Alexander. Oh, there you go. From a while ago, but didn't know he had books. Um, okay, so that was pretty interesting stuff as well. So then also, the big news elsewhere this week was that, and this is quite interesting because a few people sent us through the article about Brett Sutton about how to waste $10 million. And he, he was quite critical of the Collins Cup concept. And he, he and you, did you read the article? I did. So firstly, he's saying, you know, it's very top-heavy. Yep. Um, and that's not going to help the development of the pro sport. And I just think he didn't really like it. He just thought it was a bit of a gimmick, which is what I kind of like about it. <laughs> no, but I think he was also saying, if we've got this money, we should be giving money to athletes that we can, sure, we can reward the top of the game. But there's a pathway for the athletes who aren't at the top of the game. It gives them more financial security to be able to develop themselves to, to lift the, the bar of everyone in the game. Um, yeah, he wasn't so much into the actual whole race thing as well. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of... I, I, I get what he was coming from. Yeah. But at the same His point time. was, who's going to care? Mm-hmm. Like, because the way it's structured, they're going to get the money anyway. Mm-hmm. And maybe the structure of the race isn't going to work. Mm. And, and and I agree with you. I get where he's coming from. Why not try to reward the whole? Try to make this more sustainable sport for all the pros because um, it's just, they make piss all money. Most pros, you top few, they're doing well, but the rest, it's it's a battle out there. Uh, and so I get that side of things, but at the same time, I kind of like the fact that it's going to be a bit gimmicky and a bit different because I think that's what we need is something a bit different. Well, I think we need something that's entertaining. Mm. And but, but do you think this is going to be entertaining? Well, it's going for, to be... For not for you and I, the geek. It's going to be more entertaining than having, say they said, right, we're going to designate 370.3 races and we're going to put lots of money on those races. We'll have three races and this will be big money. Yep. I think this is going to be potentially more entertaining than that. You know, if you've got the athletes mic'd up, you've got the interaction from the, the captains. Uh, so I'm not saying it's going to be a raging success, but I think it's something different that I think has the opportunity to, to be kind of cool. And I think in terms of a, you know, a highlights package, I think it'd be really good because, again, 
your Joe Bloggs is not going to sit there. This is still going to be you know, a five-hour production or something like that. They're not going to sit there and watch it for five hours, I don't think, um, at least not initially. But I think it'll be a much more interesting highlights package for, say, a one-hour show than what having just another 70.3 race well, would be. Well, maybe the question is, how do you make it entertaining five hours? Because you watch a, a game of tennis for five hours. People will. Yep. Yep. Uh, you watch cricket all day. Oh, uh, do you? Well, some people do. Mm. Like, I watch one day. Mm. You know, I watch five hours of cricket. Yeah, mm. no, well, no, admittedly not often, but I'm not a big sport watcher. Mm. But of all the sports, you know, like a lot of people watch baseball for five hours. Yeah, so I, th- I think this has got the potential to maybe do that. So, uh, so more, uh, more so than just a standard race. As you were talking then, I was thinking, you know, what Mac has done with, with Super League uh, it's brought a lot of the the early Uncle Toby stuff or the what was it called? Yeah, it was had various of St George, yep. Uncle Toby's, um, Formula One, all yep. sorts of names. So that kind of racing back into short course, and it's really cool, really dynamic. If we are thinking of how can you bring that Super League kind of philosophy, which it is quirky, different, out there, what other formats are going to work in long form? Well, you've got to be careful. Uh, to a degree, I think, in terms of not making it too gimmicky. Like, you could do silly things like have bonus times for KOMs or something like that, make it a multi-lap course, make it potentially draft legal. Um, but then you are getting away a bit from the heart of the sport. I don't know if that would be entertaining or not. It would have entertaining elements to it, but, uh, yeah, so th- those are s- but sorts it works of things. Super League, like when they do the, with the... Yeah, but that's a totally different beast. That's a 20-minute that's a race. Yeah, I know, I know, but that's what I'm saying, but, but it does work. Mm-hmm. And so... Just how do we bring that kind of to long course? Because the problem with long course is two guys meno and meno, mm-hmm. and for a long time that's not that entertaining. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm just curious. Are there ways maybe we could make the discussion of the week? How can we make long? What can we take from Super League, and maybe even innovate more to make these long course? Put events? it down on your pad. Write that one okay, down. Right, yeah. so I've got a good one for this week, so we're not vetoing this one. Okay, but but you know what I mean. So that we could. So it is entertaining. So someone could turn on TV one afternoon and go, "What's this? Oh well, this is pretty fascinating." Well, I think also the fact that with this um, Collins Cup, there's a points differential for how much you lose by. Yep. And so I think, you know, you can again, you can have a, a roving clock. So, okay, he's five minutes down, but if he can keep it to this, he's still going to get a point or whatever it is. Mm. Or if, if this balloons out, if, if he can get back to two minutes down, it's only going to be this many points. So I think have little, little things like that, I think, will have got the potential to make this really cool. Uh, but yeah, on the on the heels of Brett Sutton, um, well then the PTO must have been listening, because uh, it was literally like a day or two later the PTO have come out and they've adopted a two million dollar annual bonus uh, program um, for basically long course athletes as long as you join up to the PTO, which incidentally is free to do. So why wouldn't you? Yep. Um, the bonuses range from a hundred thousand dollars for the number one male and female athlete um, to ten thousand dollars for those who are number 10 for both males and females. Uh, 21 through 50, she'll each be paid $5,000. And 51 through so 100... So 10,000 up to the top 20. Yeah. Yeah, and then 21 to 50 is 5,000. And even if you rank 51 to 100, you'll still get $2,000. You know what's really interesting now, John? What? Thorsten has a lot of power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he does. <laughs> the, old geek, the old geek started out a few years ago from a website. He controls a lot of income for a lot of people <laughs> <He does>. now. <laughs> so... This is just this is good. Free this money. is good, but yeah. it's good, isn't it? Because hmm. if you're a, if you're like a like a Chris McDonald when he was early in his career, hmm. and because Chris McDonald probably got top twenty in the world by the end of his career, maybe top ten at best. Yeah, I would say at best. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, but when he was up and coming, if he could have got an extra five k a year to get him up to that top ten level, yeah, you know, it's fantastic a, it's a, for a young pro, that really helps. Yeah. So it's just going to be 
It's great. Absolutely great. Two million dollars. It's free money. Awesome. Um, but where's and the, also this? incentivizes you to get better. Yeah, uh, but where's this? I just wonder where the sustainability is in this. You know, where's hope? You know, this is just the start. But where's the money going to come from eventually? Once, uh, once this sort of all starts to pan out. But we'll wait and see. But that's uh, it's good news for the pros. Good news for the long course athletes because well, it's, it's a blow struggle. That out they there. think the money comes from creating media. Well, that's it's it's thinks so, and then if, we'll, and then next a few points down, we'll, uh, we'll money might come from somewhere else. Okay, um, John, we did get a, an email from some person a few weeks ago saying, "What's happened to the Facebook Live coverage?" Yeah, and rumour is it may be going. But, uh, well, it is not going. Um, they just put out the schedule for the Facebook Live coverage for twenty twenty. Uh, not all races are going to be covered, but you'd say most of the big races are getting done. Yeah, what's exciting for us in New Zealand is for the first time they'll have uh, the Nutrigrain Ironman New Zealand will be covered. Uh, they're doing obviously doing all the championship, um, championship races. races, which is fantastic, and then a, a pretty big selection of other ones. Uh, so Tulsa having its first year this year, Hamburg, um, Austria, Switzerland, Santa Rosa, Kalmar, Montremblant, Canada, Wales, um, Italy, Portugal. So most of the new ones are in there. Florida and of course um, Kona plus all the seventy point three uh, plus seventy point three worlds so yeah it's gonna be great um you know i just find it something it's not something i'd sit down and watch all day but if i'm jumping on the trainer i'm thinking what should i watch you can just go back and watch a bit of coverage so yeah it's all good good for the pros to get a little bit of coverage as well now i haven't watched a lot of the races outside of the kona one on facebook live what level of presentation do they do for the races outside of kona because i know kona is great yeah it's only a couple of cameras um so to be honest it's pretty boring you know, it's uh, pretty basic. Two, two to three cameras, and you're sort of just following the the leaders, and and you you get a good feel for what's happening in the race. But it's kind of like the the basic Kona version. It is just sort of watching the leader. And we've got commentators. Yeah, you usually got um, uh, Didi Griesbauer or um, and Paul Huddle. Sometimes Joycey's in there, uh, and some 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 other random people. Okay. So it's um. Help. But I'm going to say, we can, a few I'll years ago we were complaining about not having any coverage, yeah, no. and now we've got loads. And I can't imagine making much money off it. No, like no. when you're in Kona, you get a couple hundred thousand people watch it, but it'll be interesting to see, what's great about Facebook Live is just see how many people are watching it. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see when I'm in New Zealand comes around, because I'll jump on and have a look at that, yeah. um, or the Nutri-Green I'm in New Zealand. Um, if that comes around, it'll be interesting to see what kind of numbers they're getting around that peak time, which is like the run, mm. you know, later on the run, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, John... That's pretty much this week's news, but we did have a pretty good discussion of the week last week, and it was who has made the most money in triathlon, and we could look at this at two angles. The first angle was prize money, and then the second angle was is kind of an overall in their kind of sponsorship, prize money, and so on. So, John, what do you, you do on first? Uh, Jordan Blanco, surely Daniela with her two times one million dollar triple crowns, five times Hawaii, and seventy point three championships. I don't know how many she's got seventy point threes, but it's at least three or four. Yeah, and she. Oh no! What, if, if you took those two one million dollars out, I think she'd still be right up there. Um, but with that, surely she's uh, she's made the most. And also, she, like she's a queen of Sweden. She's 
Swiss Miss. Yeah, so yeah. she's queen of her country. Mm. Big, you know, she gets big sponsorship from like Red Bull and stuff like that. Like you get one of those Red Bull magazines, she's often in it. Mm. You know, so they obviously use her a lot. Um, I'm going to say Peter Colson here has got stool to listen to the show, but Greg Bennett. He's won millions a few years ago in a row. Smart guy, always been good with sponsors. Won big cash races, but not always in the prestigious ones. Remember Kona used to be basically pay nothing. Meanwhile, the lifetime fitness wins were bigger dollars. He would have won about five million, in my opinion, and I guess a couple more in sponsorship. Yeah, definitely, Greg Bennett would be right up there. Smart racer. Um, Why was he a smart racer? Well, in terms of money racing so he targeted so there was this race Olympic distance race uh, called the High V it used to be part part of uh, it was in Iowa it was in can't remember the name of the place now um I think it was, fam- it was either famous for potatoes or onions or something like that. Onion Iowa. <laughs> and and uh, he went there for a couple of years in a row. It was $500,000 on the line uh, for the win, not total prize pool. Was it when, they did, the, when they did the handicap for the females as well? They did do that for a number of years, yeah. yes. Uh, and I remember one year there was a, a four or five way sprint finish. It was um, Simon Whitfield. I'm not sure if Greg Bennett was in this one actually, but it was Simon Whitfield. Um, Javier Gomez, Chris Gemmell, and Jan Fredino, and maybe somebody else. And Whitfield took it, didn't he? he looked Whitfield like a madman possessed as he came yeah. across the finish line. He was, seriously, his face was like possessed. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was 500k that year, but just back to, to Greg Bennett, he definitely won it a couple of years uh, in a row, and I think he got a car as well. And at that stage, he was also winning the um, sort of the USAT series that, that they had over so there at the time. So Bennett outside of America? Because uh, he was really good, like he got fourth in the Athens Olympics, and for yep. a while you were worried he was going to run down, uh, run down the front guys. So he was a, a top fiver on the World Cup circuit, because um, back then it was called the World Cup. Yep. Uh, so he was really good, really consistent, but you wouldn't go. I'm going to put my money on him for the World Champs because back then the World Champs was the the, yep. the pinnacle each year. Um, so he was really good. But geez, he knew how to peak, he knew how to make money, and he knew how to target races. Uh, so that was, you know, that high V race was his big target for the year, and plus winning that series in America. And then coupled with his wife, Laura, who was Laura Reback, um, she was somewhat similar as well. So I think combined, they would have pulled everybody's pants down. Oh, good on them. Peter Colson also backed up here with another good post, and this is a name that I wouldn't have picked. Um, Chris Lee always had awesome sponsors. Gatorade reportedly sponsored him 500k a year for five years, but didn't uh, win when he needed to, i.e. Kona. He would have banked some good dollars. So he was, um, Chris Lee was the guy who some of you may recall, he collapsed um, in the finishing shoot uh, in Kona one year and had to have like, a massive proportion of his intestines removed, oh, carried really? on racing, and was always very marketable. Much He was in much the same elk as Greg Bennett. Very, very good with sponsors. Not necessarily ever going to win Kona or anything like that, um, but played the game really, really well. And, and But to be honest, that falling over is a great story, isn't it? Mm. You know, oh, that you came can, out for multiple years yeah, afterwards. Yeah, you can market the crap out of that. Paul Williams has got maybe a Fredino uh, for combined sponsorship, appearance, and prize money. Olympic gold three times Kona wins and two seventy point three world titles. Commercially, I think he wouldn't undersell himself, and he only seems to have a few prestige sponsored logos on his race kits. Not a patchwork quilt like other professionals. Also, triathlon is bigger in Germany compared to most other countries, which is a great point. Dean Goff, Macca would certainly surely be up there. I can't think of anyone in the game that sold themselves as well as he did. And I would agree with that because A, he would have got probably more marketing money than anybody else, um, I would think, because I think he was And a he would have got massive appearance fees. Yeah, and, and the thing with Macca is 
often it, we divide to we define people's careers by how many Kona titles um, they win. And he won two. two. Yep. Um, but outside of Kona, he was amazing. Uh, he won, I think, I in Australia multiple times, wrote multiple times. don't know if he won Germany or if he raced there very often. Um, but he did a lot outside of Kona. He also had a very long career. Um, in ITU side of things, he had quite a long career there. And he was pretty consistent on ITU circuit. He, he won plenty of races, um, but he was fairly consistently on the podium. Um, and he did win a world title as well. So I think he would be, you know, when you think about who's banked the most over their career, he had a long career. Guys like him and, uh, say, Craig Alexander, who's still cranking away, pretty long careers. So cumulatively, well, they would have gone long. Well, also, Mick was at a time when the sport pro-wise was pretty boring. You know, mm-hmm. like right now we're actually quite sport because we have some good personalities. You've got Sanders, you've got Keenlay. Frodo's the good guy, but he's a really, you know, he's a great marketable mm-hmm. character. So there was lots of good characters. When Mecca was in, they were all a bit boring, weren't they? Um, yeah, I suppose. You know, Peter Reed. Yeah, he sort of came in that period. Tim the Moon was, you know, like... And then after that, then you had like the, the Germans, but they weren't that interesting, mm. you know. So Mecca was even now would still shine out because he's such an interesting character. Um, so he was very sellable for the sponsors because mm. he was just kind of a shining light. So that's pretty interesting. Um, Carl, I'm going to say Mick Clannan has got here. Not sure about, but who, whatever amount it is, but not enough compared to footballers, tennis players, F1 drivers, etc. It entails training harder and being fitter, but the financial rewards are not anywhere near where they should be. John Weir, um, one of the big four, I assume. I'll come back to that point uh, shortly, because out of the big four, you'd have to say that um, Mark, Mark Allen, Allen would yeah. definitely would have uh, made... Well, no, no, you would assume, because of his Kona titles, Mark Allen would have uh, probably banked the most. Uh, Arnold has got Reef um, that win in Kona and wrote Triple Crown, and he thinks Mark Allen had a lifetime contract with Nike. Um, I wonder if he does. He was with Nike for a long time. A lifetime contract? Quite possibly. Um, that basketball player... Um, Ivinson, Ivinson, and he had a, a deal with Reebok where he got like twenty million dollars for twenty years or something, something right. like that. I can't remember the exact yeah. numbers. So he's still getting paid even though he retired. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Neil Hastings, Ali Brownlee, I'm guessing has the biggest bank account. He would have been. He he would have made a fair amount. Um, but I don't. Is he as marketable as uh, in the UK? He's a in the UK. Name. Oh, he'd be massive in he's the UK. He's a household name. Yes. Yeah, so because how many how many people in our sport are household names? Oh, he is definitely, yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, even like Mark Allen, in the day he wouldn't have been a household name. Mm. But America's a much bigger country. Sarah Sutherland's got um, uh, Gomez for sure. Didn't he get over a total of one million prize money a few years ago across the ITU, WTC and Independent Challenge and Exterior Racing? Plus, he's been in plenty of end of advertising since the early tw- 2000s. Race fields plus still going strong. He is, he's been around for a long He's a bit like Mecca, as you're saying, his, his duration. And the thing with Gomez, um, and so he's on my list as being right up there, a very long career. Yep. But he does a lot of other stuff. He does ITU, which he can, he'd be banking a couple of hundred K from ITU. Yep. Um, because I'll go through some of the prize money numbers in a moment. But he also goes and does lots of other racing, you know. So he's had 70.3 titles. He races French Grand Prix, um, which should be, again, again, prize money plus um, fairly big appearance fees. Uh, and then he goes off and does other random ones. He was down here doing Challenge Wanaka last year. Um, not that that's massive prize money, but then he would be off and he does like, things like the Beijing Triathlon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he will have banked he's plenty. raced a lot God he raced a he lot he would be the biggest racer in this generation wouldn't he oh, I would say without doubt yeah because you know you just you always see him do a race and the next week we're going he's racing again yeah yeah here's a good one John Phil Elmer definitely not me 
Definitely not me. <laughs> no. I'll go on that one as well. So, in terms of what... Torsten uh, came back to me, I, I sort of popped him a note, and he said his money data goes back to about 215 for Ironmans. 215 and 70 or 2015. 2015 for Ironmans and 70.3s, uh, and only two, 2017 for WTS. So based off his cumulus stuff, this is depressing. Um, Daniela Reef has got the most money. She's raced 35 times for a prize pool of just over $1 million, $1 million and 69. Yeah, you can't have those bonuses. But he hasn't, yeah, he's excluded the bonuses. Um and it wouldn't count like Frodo's earnings. So Danielle's on top. Jan Fredino's on second with 700,000. Katie Zaveris, given it, this has only been since 2017, 696,000. And Sebastian Keenlay uh, next, next with 688,000. That's a bit depressing that he's been tracking that since 2015. And Daniela Reef has only won a million dollars. We know she's won multiple millions outside of that. Uh, but, geez, that's not that much really, is it? No, when you think of how dominant she's been in our sport, mm. it's so, reflective of the money in our sport. So a good example there, Katie Zaveris, so third, uh, and this has only been tracked since 2017, 696. So to give you an idea roughly what an ITU athlete's going to be banking a year, uh, <laughs> let, let's say, yeah, so, so a win on the WTS series is 18,000, the grand finals 30,000, and then the bonus pool, this is if you're winning all of these, is 83,000. So... Katie Zaveris last year, she won heaps of races. Let's say she won four or five on the, the, the circuit, then that's 80 grand plus another 30 for the bonus. It's 110 plus another 83. So she's almost up to about 200,000 uh, just in prize money alone. Uh, so that's what they, those guys can be making on the ITU circuit. When it comes to Kona, um, uh, give me a second here. The p- total prize purse is six hundred and fifty thousand. You get one hundred and twenty thousand for the win, uh, sixty for second, and it drops down to ten thousand for tenth. If you win the seventy point three worlds, it's two hundred and fifty thousand total prize pool, forty five thousand for first, and four and a half thousand for second. So you know, you take a Daniela Reef for example, wins um, if she wins both, she's going to get one hundred and twenty plus forty five, so one hundred and sixty five. Plus, she's probably going to do another Ironman somewhere and get maybe another fifteen to 15 grand there so you know less less money there than than the itu athletes even if you win kona and 70.3 worlds okay so we've got currently you'd say danielle is probably the biggest earner in this generation probably for dino second and prize money at least mm. but overall who would make you know if we go the overall well i reckon they're probably even um i initially thought i was going I reckon Mark Allen would have made a fortune in his his period, and I think he would have through through endorsements, um, appearance fees, etc. Um, and then Thor- Thorsten kind of bu- burst my bubble a bit there. He, and it said in 1991, uh, Kona paid twenty thousand dollars for the winner. And yeah, but it wasn't pers- prize money back in those days. Yes, I know. But this was my point in terms of prize money. Uh, only twenty thousand, which what he equated that. That's roughly uh, roughly forty thousand dollars New Zealand. Uh, no, roughly forty thousand dollars in today's money. So I thought they probably would have been making more then. I do think they made a lot. Um, but Mark Allen was the one that I thought. Oh, I wonder. I reckon he might be trump everybody, but maybe not. I had Greg Bennett on there, and then I had Javier Gomez, and I think, uh, and then Daniela Reef, and with Matt. But I wonder if they would have made more money off sponsorship back in those days. Oh, definitely. Yeah, but I wonder if it was comparable, you know, if you look at inflation wise. Yes. You know, I wonder if they would have been making, you know, if he was Nike. Mm. You know, Nike's not Nike's not looking at triathlon right now. Mm. You know, now, admittedly, Nike is a much bigger company right now than what it is in the 80s, but. Um, 
you know, it, yeah, maybe we should ask Melina. Mm. You know, we say, Melina, you know, just just give us a number. <laughs> <laughs> just give us a give us a hint. Yeah. Us a hint. We'll just say a source told us. Yes. Uh, anybody else? So, what about females in the eighties? Well, yeah, I think um, Aaron Baker and Paul Newby Fraser were were massive, and that's eighties and going into the nineties. Um, but I suspect in that era that they weren't as marketable as uh, yeah. Mark and Dave and Scott. Yeah. Uh, they still would have got plenty of covers, but in the unequal world that we live in, I'm sure they wouldn't have got paid as much Did as Mark the guys. Did ever get a Sports Illustrated cover? Who knows? I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna look. You talk I'm about, sure he must have done. You talk about this week's discussion. I'm look so this week's discussion, we had a little post in there from good old Pete McLeod. He's off to race... Uh, to, uh, Ironman New Zealand uh, the weekend after next and his partner Kerry she is racing the 70.3 on the same day there's a little bit of household rivalry going on here because Pete got cleaned out at the Taupo 70.3 where they both race so um, Kerry's a slightly better swimmer than Pete and I'd say Pete's a better runner than Kerry and I'm not sure how they compare on the bike but in Taupo 70.3 uh, Kerry got third in her age group. She went five hours 49, and Pete did six hours and 32. So what Pete wants to know is they've got a conundrum because he's racing Ironman in Taupo, and Kerry's racing 70.3, but they need to decide out of the two of them who's had the best performance. So they're pretty even. So what reference should we use for them to decide if Pete's had the better day or if Kerry's had the day? So, for example, would you half Pete's time for the full and then take off 20 minutes, or would you do 30 minutes, or have you got some other formula that, that you've seen other people use or you think would be accurate to determine who has got bragging rights in that household? And they're both from Christchurch. Okay, I didn't actually listen, because okay. I'm trying to find this cover, but to be honest, I... It's going to be the best discussion we've ever had. Okay, good luck with that discussion. Apparently it's an amazing discussion, best mm. ever. Mm. That's, that's what I've heard from a really important person. Okay, John... Uh, Hit me with some music. Okay, here's some music. Age group of the week. week And Tom Ward sent this through And he's actually good Because he sent through Three age groupers this week And this is his first It's his lovely wife Lauren Lauren Ward Let's just want to get that out there Lauren has been a lot Has had a long time Love-hate relationship with running She has never felt That she could run that well But after some Taking some time In 2019 To address her inner dialogue She took great, greater ownership Of her journey And is set about Delaying her 2020 season um, to finally sort out her run form. Her focus was as much on technical development as it was effort. She was consistent, positive and determined in her build-up, not even letting Christmas distraction distracting her from her goal. She chose not to set a performance or outcome goal and said she chose to be on focused on her being her best. This resulted in a 20.415k PP, Lauren's first time under 21 minutes and a second place overall finish. It's safe to say that her run demons have been banished. Well done, that's awesome. Nice work. A lot of people could learn a little bit from Lauren in terms of going, I'm just going to let everything else slide a little bit over winter, let my swim slide a bit, let my bike slide a bit, and I'm going to become a beast on the run. And, and similarly, if you need to really improve your, your cycling. So be prepared to not be at the best at the start of your tri-season to actually improve yourself overall. So nice work, Lauren. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's really easy and attractive to keep working on the thing you're good at. Mm. You know, but to actually pull back and say, no, 
best use of my time for a period of time is actually kind of go, I'm going to actually work on my weakness. Um, and your weaknesses are usually the easiest gains. area to get your gains. Yeah. And Lauren is a great example of that. Yeah. So Lauren, Tom Ward, Lauren Ward, you are our wife of Tom Ward, you are our age, age group of the, of the week. week. Love your work. Well done, you second place. Okay, John, we'll get an interview. Sonia Bracegirl coming up. Here we go. Okay, guys. Um, in the studios. We don't get many in the studios. We don't get many in the no, studios. Very special. And I'd never, uh, probably earlier this year or maybe last year, I hadn't heard of today's guest, um, Sonia Bracegirdle. Um, and then she came onto the radar when she had some good results at Ironman, I think in, in Taiwan, and then also came on the radar even more uh, at Ironman Maastricht um, last year. And then I sort of I knew she, somebody told me she was in Christchurch, so I thought, we'll get her into the studio. So I arranged the interview, and then I've met her twice since. Um, once. Uh, You're stalking her. And well, I met her. She's got a man well, here as well, mate. Well, mate. Well, I met, <laughs> Careful. I met him standing in a, in a queue at the toilets before this uh, mountain man. Oh, okay. off-road yeah. thing that I did um, queuing for the for the two toilets that were on offer and then met Sonia um, there and then also saw them last weekend down in Wanaka so I tell you we've got some pretty good Instagram photos look at these shots look at this oh, someone, got, someone a hobbyist I might yeah no I do quite like her yeah, yeah. that's great photos <laughs> so a lot of people won't have heard of you Sonia so maybe give us your sort of two minute athletic story first you know where you've come to to be a, a pro who's now sort of getting on the podium at races Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, despite a little bit of a confused accent, I'm actually from New Zealand. <laughs> so we're um, in New Zealand. So I was born in Whangarei, um, then grew up in Waiuku, and um, uh, then in Auckland. Um, so I actually did triathlon as a junior, um, a little bit here. <laughs> uh, and then when I went to university, um, so I went to the UK for university, I stopped and started rowing for my sins <laughs> and then yeah sort of did that I think sort of seven or eight years that I was at university um so I did a lot of university um yeah then did a little bit of ultra marathons um yeah a few a few years of not doing too much at all and then 2017 thought oh I'll uh, you know I had a new job sort of moved well we'd moved back to London um <laughs> and thought oh, I need a bit of a hobby to uh to go alongside this job so I thought oh, I'll take up triathlon again and then that sort of so I did yeah 2017 did a couple of age group races then <laughs> decided to turn pro <laughs> and yeah 2018 was my first pro season um yeah a few good a few good results there and then 2019 unfortunately I haven't really raced at all um just illness and injury and okay. yeah so when you say you did triathlon a bit as a junior in rowing, were you any good or not? Um, I was, I was, I was okay. I certainly wasn't at the at the pointy end of the field. I would say I think I think probably my best result at nationals was a third. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty decent. And so then when you came back to it, was in the back of your mind did you think the pro life wasn't on the table, or was it very much just kind of come into it to keep fit and kind of doors opened? Um, it was yeah, it was more the latter. It was sort of like oh, I'll um. Yeah, I need something to do before work, not after work, because I'm always too tired. <laughs> I'm always too tired. Um, but yeah, it was sort of like, um, yeah, pick something up a bit from the, the, the past that, that, you know, yeah, it'd be fun and meet some new people and, and all that sort of jazz. Um, and then I was like, oh, actually, you know, I had some good age group results and then thought, okay, this, yeah, maybe, maybe I take this a step for it. And then I actually, I did quit my job. Um, <laughs> and, and it was sort of, yeah spiraled a little bit from there but there we are <laughs> yeah. 
So I think you're being a little bit modest with regards to your study. You said you studied for, for, for quite a period, but when I plugged your name into good old Google, which tells us all the information, <laughs> she More got, stalking. Got, a, got, a, got a scholarship to, to Cambridge. So maybe just tell us a bit about your, your professional non-triathlon, your, your sort of working career and, yeah, and where you okay. started and, and what, you, what your sort of field is. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so, so I went, yeah, went to school in Auckland. Um, and yes, I got a scholarship to Cambridge, um, which was pretty cool as an undergrad. So I was there for four years. Studying I did, what? Uh, so it's natural sciences is the name of my degree, um, but my major was chemistry. Okay. Um, so then organic chemistry. So then I went to Oxford because I just like to, you know, cross cross the divide there. Um, and I did a PhD in organic chemistry. Um, so kind of hence all the rowing as well. You're sort of, yeah. you're a bit duty bound to at least try it. And then I was definitely going to give up after a term. My mum was like, no, you have to have a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I continued. <laughs> um, yeah. And so then, yeah, I worked as a management consultant for a bit. So I worked for, I was a, moved to Australia for a little bit. Um, was there for yeah less than a year, but I worked for McKinsey in Australia. Um, went back to London, worked for BCG there. Then um, yeah, a few other. That's actually where my husband, who's actually sitting next to me on the couch here, that's why <laughs> I'm sort of like slightly referring to him. But um, we met at BCG in London. Um, we went off on a few adventures, trying to sort of start a few businesses. Um, then I actually went into biotech venture capital, which is kind of yeah more related to the intersection of where. Of, of between, I suppose, my academic side and then the sort of the work Business, history. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I actually work in biotech now, um, sort of depending on the given week or month and what's going on between sort of 50% to 75% of and my so time. So are you like a contractor? Um, I am, but I also have a, have a, have a job title. <laughs> so I'm sort of, I work as a consultant because I work primarily remote, um, but for the company that's based in, in Oxford in the UK. Um, but I do, I do sort of have a permanent place in the team. Yeah. So in terms of your pro career, you know, we see a number of, age groupers going I'm just going to race pro um, and they're still working or you see some pros that are probably a bit like you they've got kind of working and racing so do you sort of consider yourself to be a pro athlete or you're racing in, 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 in that division um, but you still kind of think I'm, I'm a worker rather than a pro or it's a good it's a good question and I think yeah it probably depends on on yeah the day and what my answer will be <laughs> but mm -hmm. I certainly I, I did a um, I did a talk in, in Amsterdam where we live um, not long after Maastricht and 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 sort of was like, I describe myself as a professional ish uh, mm -hmm. triathlete so indeed yeah I, I do you know, the, the, I, I love my sort of job, the, the one that pays a bit more money, <laughs> the biotech. You know, I, I really love what I'm doing. I love the industry and the people I work with. Um, so that's, that's a big part. And I don't think, I, I did spend a time not working and just training full time. And I found it quite hard. <laughs> and I don't think I'd go back to doing that. I think I'd always want to have some of, yeah, some biotech ticking along as well. What was hard about it? Um, a, a little bit too much time with my own head, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I need to have have something else to do that distracts me. Otherwise, I'm just become a little bit too fixated on yeah, just on the, like performance and and the metrics and all this. And I, I just yeah, get a bit. But did you think it helped you as an athlete, or do you actually think it's better to have the balance that you have now? So for me, I think it's better to have the balance okay. I have now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, overall, I think if I could learn how to switch off my, my, my brain a little bit better, then, then overall that would probably be better for me as an athlete because then I could, yeah, to do a bit more recovery. And, and, but, yeah, that would be 
Yeah. <laughs> one thing that, you know, like when one of the, the things that the full-time athlete does is they do have the pressure of income, uh, but it seems that you've got a, a good security with a job that's, you know, obviously pretty good wage. Um, does that sometimes give you an out? Because you've got, you know, maybe not so much pressure on yourself to perform or what keeps you that pressure on yourself to perform? Um, so there's always, yeah, I always have a lot of, there's a lot of, probably a little bit too much internal pressure <laughs> on on my own performance and I think and especially in 2019 um with it, it just being a bit of a, a roller coaster year mostly on the down <laughs> um that's that's really what I've struggled with and actually then it's been great that I've had an outlet outside of triathlon that I can then you know ramped up to sort of normal like 40 hour working weeks and it's it's kind of been a it's kind of been okay so I'm certainly I'm certainly good at, at keeping the pressure on myself. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right. It does, um, I suppose, from the commercial side of things, mean that I don't need to worry about that source of income mm. from triathlon. Yeah. Mm. So t- tell us about some of your initial Ironman races, because did you actually do any iron, full Ironmans before you turned pro or not? No. So uh, Maastricht was my, my first Ironman. Yeah. First yeah, Ironman. So August, August, t- August 2018, I think. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah. And you came in second place across the line. Maybe just tell us the story of your race, how it sort of, was it third? Yeah, it was like third, it was third, third yeah. Tell yeah. us the story of, of your race, how it sort of unfolded, and then what happened after the race. Yeah, so, um, so the, I mean, it's a, it's a fabulous race. Um, sadly, no, no longer with us, but um, you're sort of, it's very much based in the town centre of Maastricht, so it has a lovely... Um, I'm going to say old because I'm not sure how old, but old town centre. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the cycle course is very... Um, well, it's very honest, I would say. It's 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 the the, the Dutch Limburg region, so it's 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 hilly. Again, mm. and I would say for the Netherlands, but you can put a lot of climbing there. So it's a lot of short, sharp hills, um, quite then technical downhills. So um, so quite a good honest bike course for sure. And then like a nice yeah scenic run, again with 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 some some hills in there to keep you honest um, uh, in the town centre. So a uh, great course. Um, you swim in the river. Um, I found the swim really long. I was like, man, this this seems this is a really long time to be horizontal. Um, then sort of got onto the bike course and of course did the uh, the very rookie thing of of basically riding at like seventy point three power for the first lap. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe going a little bit hard here. <laughs> so then yeah, I ramped it back a bit. <laughs> but they do have them some you know there's some hills where you can really um, yeah really get the heart rate going. And then they have there's some great flat sections by the river where you can just put your head down and really go for it so it's yeah it's a pretty easy bike course to overexert yourself on <laughs> um and in the days leading up to the race I think even the yeah a couple of weeks before it'd been um solid heat waves so we'd had sort of yeah mid low mid 30s temperatures um and uh the run was pretty hot I don't think it was quite that hot on race day but it was it was it was solidly warm so that was it was just a bit of a battle of, of survival really um and so I think um yeah I'm not sure where I came off the bike maybe fifth or so and then and then ran ran my well, way up hubby's holding up five yep. he's saying five he's, okay all right there we are <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah and and yeah I think my yeah well what at least what I said when I when I crossed the finish line, I was like that's really long yeah. and you know I've done ultras ultra marathons in the past where I've been on my feet for for definitely for longer periods of time but there's something about I don't know so much yeah, so much running on, on concrete and after 180 k's of riding, you're just like, this is a long way. <laughs> yeah. Were you happy with your race? I was super happy with yep. my race. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, like a, my, my first Ironman and I, I, I'm, well, and then we'll go on to this, but, you know, made quite a few mistakes, but, you know, that one 
critical one I didn't realize at the time but um but yeah but then to to be on the podium that was that was super cool and um yeah especially I'd, I'd had sort of I you know I had some I had a fifth at 70.3 Axon Provence earlier in the year um, and a fourth at Challenge Scherzbergen. I also had a terrible race at Barcelona and I pulled, pulled out of it, 70.3 there. So, uh, yeah, it felt like a nice, you know, 70.3 racing is a, it's a, little, too, a little too hard for me. Mm. <laughs> it's a little too high intensity. So, I was, I was, yeah, I was super happy to, um, yeah, perform, perform well at that, yeah. So, El Visser was first I mm. think it was Yvonne van Vlerken second yeah. and then yeah. you, you were third yeah. so yeah you're in some reason, reasonably good company there um it's so in terms of run us through after the race what happened in terms of uh, getting prize money and sort of what what unfolded over the the coming weeks yeah so about I think it's also six or so weeks later um yeah I, I think I had um oh, I got a message from from Al's and then also had an email um saying there's there's an investigation into um the i like the sort of the the events in the swim so i can't remember the exact wording so there's um there's a facebook live video so i went back and watched it and i was like oh i missed a boy on the swim which so yeah so basically coming coming you, you sort of swim down the river turn around um and swim back and then when you're coming in there's basically you sort of have to go out to a boy and then into the ramp. So mm. I didn't do the last out to the boy and into the ramp. I went from the sort of second to last boy straight into the ramp. Just I honestly, didn't, I just really wanted to get out of the water. So <laughs> <laughs> just like, but it wasn't um, deliberate. You, no, no, no. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I, you know, there, there were kayaks there. If anybody was telling me to do something, I was completely unaware of it. So it's, it's completely my own fault for yeah. not being aware enough and of the course and probably focusing a little bit too much on just trying to get out of the water (laughs) and onto the bike so no no completely completely my my own fault Mm. and um yeah it's very then obvious on the 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 facebook live video that i was supposed to be going around another boy and i I didn't do that um but i didn't yeah so i didn't didn't realize until sort of yeah six or seven weeks later when i got this this email and then so that was to let me know that a protest had been raised um, and then and they were sort of going behind the scenes through the investigation, I guess. And then I think it was a couple of weeks or so after that, they said, you've been disqualified. So yeah. they hadn't paid out any prize money by by that stage. So mm. that was all then. Yeah. And we'll get deeper into it, but how did you feel at that moment? Oh, but yeah, pretty gutted. And then I was like, oh, really? Like, seriously? (laughs) I actually did that. And then you go back through and you see the video and you're like, oh, I actually did do that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty tough learning, but um, yeah, it's, you do, you do then learn, hopefully. (laughs) So how much did it actually cut off the course roughly? um, I I think there's something, there's actually something in the, in the legal proceedings about it, but I think it's. 30 meters maybe right. 50 meters so it's not, I think it's, not a great deal. It's not a huge amount no yeah. no no and and also it meant for you did you got a kona slot there no i didn't no because right. that was still under the point system so um yeah i just had the a few, you know sort of points from the 170.3 earlier that year so mm. it wouldn't have been enough anyway um so so as it turned out um elsvis received some information from a lawyer saying that uh she could actually appeal that because apparently under the Ironman rules, if you to disqualify somebody, you've 
got to do it within 30 minutes. That's what the Ironman rules state. And so this being six weeks later, she actually got it overturned and got the prize money. I don't know what would have happened to her points, but I think this probably all happened a little bit too late in the piece for her to get to Kona. Um, so, but you didn't go down that at that avenue. And, and, and so that's one question. The second question, do you know actually who put the protest in? And you don't have to name them, <laughs> name them but do you, did, did it come to light who actually put the protest in? Um, yeah, so on the first uh, on the first point, um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, good. And, and then you know there was a there was a court you know proceedings and stuff. So so there's a lot of time and and, and potentially also expense to go yeah. through to, to do that. Probably more than um, the prize money you get. Uh, yeah, potentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. Um, so you know, I good on Els and 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 yeah, it's it's great that she's been un, undisqualified. Yeah. <laughs> we have two of these, uh, yeah. Um, but but I'm still disqualified in the in the official. Um, thing and I, I think you know yeah it is a lot of time and and I'm not sure which then like court I would take that through because I'm a you know um permanent resident in the Netherlands um but navigating the Dutch legal system would be quite a challenge for me I do speak Dutch but not that well <laughs> mm. not anywhere near what am I I'm much more of the conversational level than the legal technicality sort of level um so uh yeah, so I didn't. I actually didn't ever consider that as an as an option for for myself. It's sort of yeah. Just just going on to Holland and Dutch. What, what's triathlon like in there? Like, what's the community like? Is it yeah. is it a strong sport or is it very kind of niche? Like, what's it like? Um, it seems I, I like from what I from what I see, it seems very popular. Um, you know, it seems to be growing. I've met a lot of great people. Um, yeah, no, great. I, I'm like, yeah, very happy um, with the with the sort of yeah. I suppose yeah, the the community and the people I've met there, and um, really at like having sort of started off in London as well, where you're just a bit more isolated, especially where we lived, which was quite central. So we have to catch, catch the train to go for bike rides and things like that. Mm. Then coming to live in the Netherlands, um, and yeah, actually meeting a lot of people who are into triathlon and super keen, because um, yeah, it is a it is a it is a popular sport there. Um, it was nice, yeah. yeah. It was my, my, my sort of first sense of, of like being part of a triathlon community, for mm. sure, yeah. I think I might have a bit of a theme happening here because you, you managed to cut just a tensy bit off that course there in Holland. It looks like you took a big shortcut in Taiwan oh, with a, a five-minute 19 swim. <laughs> yeah. Taking, you were know, beaten out by a 5.17 by somebody else, but obviously that swim got cancelled. But finished second place in uh, over there, which was, uh, I assume, like a 1K run and then a, or a 2K run and then a bike and a run. Um, did that race pan out pretty pretty nicely as well? Yeah, so that was, um, that's quite different to Maastricht, <laughs> that race. So, yeah, indeed, the swim was shortened to 400 metres. Mm. Um, so 519 to 400 metres, that's, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> well, well it's, it, it's it, the sort of theme of my day because then I went out and again, um, talking about learning from mistakes that I did not bike, I biked really hard. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's quite, um, for, for anyone out there not familiar with the um, Ironman Taiwan course, it's pretty hard. Um, it's sort of in an, an island off the coast of, of Taiwan and it's windy. It yeah. is really windy and it's really hot. Yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of... Um, yeah, yeah, and it's then we flew on to um, Hawaii after that, and it, you definitely don't have the same level of hum humidity, but you do you get those winds, mm. these like sort of yeah, island in the middle of nowhere kind of winds. Um, so 
yeah so I, I probably I, I gassed myself a bit on the bike actually on that one but I, I was super happy you know rode below five hours I think and mm. um you know on, on what is uh, you know a rolling tough course you've got yeah these blockhead ones man um <laughs> and then got into the run and realized that yeah it's sort of well over 30 degrees I think sort of mid mid 30s and then I was like oh <laughs> I should have left a little bit more in the tank for this so um yeah I had a bit of a moment and <laughs> then did manage to, to to keep it together and um yeah <laughs> where are your strengths and your weaknesses as a triathlete um it's a good question I, I think oh yeah I mean I've done, certainly done more running but in I, I've yet to sort of realize that in the in, in in a triathlon basically and so I'm not too bad at running off the bike but I think um you know having come from a couple of years of sort of ultra marathons and and then that sort of stuff where it's just running training and I think that balance then especially between training for cycling and training for running I haven't the, my run hasn't picked up in the way that I kind of would have hoped it to mm. um so I actually it's kind of relatively balanced for better or for worse <laughs> have the benefit of having learned to swim as 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 a kid and having done a, you know a fair bit but not a huge amount certainly not like club swimming but you know swimming for a triathlon as a kid so um again it's one of those things where um I, I mean for me especially with my like 2019 being what it was I think with more consistency everything should start to hopefully step up a bit more. <laughs> but, but that must be frustrating when you know you've got a good run in you and you're able to put that piece, yeah. piece of the puzzle yet. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And likewise with swimming, actually, to be honest, because, um, yeah, you said, and then I think, I mean, yeah, this is, is sort of one of these things you're like, oh, when I was 12, I could swim this. Yeah. And then, mm. yeah, I'm actually not really true, sure how true my, you know, those, how correct those memories are, basically. So you're sort of like holding yourself to this, this false idea idea of how good you are but it's also exciting because then if you don't you know you're, you're doing pretty well already and then if you can put those pieces into the puzzle then yeah the potential is pretty massive then isn't it yeah 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 I mean I think for me as well it will always be yeah then always balance with the with the fact that I that I, I do work and I want to keep on on working as well so yeah it will never be like a full-time um kind of thing so yeah we'll we'll, we'll see <laughs> so what's the plan for this year you know you said you've uh, had lots of injuries last year you came out of the blocks and did the, the swim bike at the the um, amazing mountain man yeah. uh, St James race <laughs> that I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what's the plan for this year? And are you sort of injury free now and ready to sort of unleash? Yeah. So um, definitely the yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do need to uh, work on my strength. Uh, so so that's that's one thing I think I've learned out of these the sort of yeah success of injuries and actually a bit of illness for that um that I need to be really on it with my strength and conditioning and core work and stuff um so that's 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 really is getting stronger but also um I need to kind of get my mojo a bit back as well um just just find a bit more love for the 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 process um over just doing the races and things like that so I have I've, I've entered Keltman um oh wow and so that's that's Picked an easy first, one yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I kind of thought you know I, I just it looks like a fabulous race just yeah. like beautiful terrain um everything's nice and hard <laughs> mm. um and you know if 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 that doesn't get me excited about doing triathlon again, then maybe nothing will. <laughs> mm. But no, that's that's the first goal of next year, which I think is early mid June, mid June. Yeah. So, so you're saying you've lost a bit of mojo? Is it just because it's been kind of an experience of oh, another injury or sickness? Yeah. And so the experience around it hasn't been much fun. So you just want to get back into the habit 
to find the enjoyment again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's it. And I, I think, I think as well, just yeah, just for, for for me having like realistic expectations about races and things like that, and about you know the fact that um, if I continue for a longer period of time in the sport, then it's it's a development pathway. I shouldn't, yeah, expect to kind of you know, rock up and win everything straight away, which, which, which I don't, but also, um, you know, just, just to kind of keep, I suppose, positive about the fact that there is, yeah, there's a pathway, it's a journey. Um, and to find, find a bit more joy in that, I guess, than I, than I have, um, previously. Yeah. Um, have you sort of looked after yourself in terms of training or have you been coached or have you joined sort of groups? How's that sort of worked? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I've worked with, um, a couple of coaches over the last few years. So, um, I was working with, uh, Matt Dixon, um, mm-hmm. for, uh, for a time, um, and now with, um, Bevan from Fitter. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. A few questions, a few random questions. When you line up against somebody who's had a positive drugs test, and I know you haven't had that much pro experience, but um, how do you sort of feel if you know somebody's tested positive when you when you line up, or does Ooh. it not come on your radar? Oh my gosh, that's oh that's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you know, oh gosh, I don't even. I, <laughs> you can have a pass. You can have a pass. The other ones are easier. Well, well I've, got a, I've got a question that's not one of these random questions. Just you know, your husband's here. Um, how do you? How do you manage a life where you, mm. you know, it's sports pretty demanding um, and then you've got a career and obviously he's got a career and stuff as well. How do you guys manage the relationship in a way that works for the relationship? Yeah, that, so that's a good question. And actually that's one of the things. Much I easier think, than drugs, I tell you. Yeah, yeah, so much easier. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I think that's one of the, um, I think that's actually one of the things that when when I was sort of, so I had I basically like a stress reaction on the top of my femur. So it was. Yeah, then some back mm. issues and uh, yeah, fun and games. But that was sort of this almost all the second half of last year. Um, and one of the things that we we talked a bit about um, sort of during that period was like moving forward to yeah to make sure that it I suppose doesn't govern our life too much. Um, so we bought a camper van, um, but mm. you know for things like Kelpman um, and then you know some thinking about some travel plans for later in the year. You know we'll take the camper and then. Um, you know, Walter, my husband, uh, you know, take a bike as well. And we've got a, a lovely golden retriever and, and he'll come with us and, you know, make it more, um, more of sort of like a collective thing. Um, yeah. yeah. So we have a bit of the shared experience. Yeah. An adventure the along the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and don't, I suppose don't, yeah, don't be, I'm too concerned if like a couple of days without a pool or something, um, or yeah, yeah. You know, sort of you, maybe you can't get, um, a five hour like road ride in because you're just not in the right place, but you can do that on a mountain bike. And so, you know, just pull the bikes out the back of the camper and just, yeah, I guess, yeah, not, I suppose have a bit more flexibility in that approach, which allows for a bit more adventure, which is then more fun kind of for us as a collective family. Without, that includes a dog. <laughs> and then, in, then when you did the mountain man race, um, you did the swim, and the two of you did the bike together. Yeah. And then, did you do the run or not? You did the run. Yes, you did the run. <laughs> you did the run. Yeah. Um, and did you take your shoes off in the river crossings? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> um, I have got a few other random ones. Um, nutrition, race morning. What do you have before the race? Uh, so uh, porridge, um, mm-hmm. generally with a bit of like nut butter, some bananas, like nice and nice and easy. Um, if it's hot, maybe then like overnight oats. So, nice. Yeah. And what about during the race? Wait a second. What's overnight oats? 
Oh, like birch, yeah. Like when yeah. you oh, them okay. and you okay. soak okay. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and what about during the race? What do you what do you sort of have during the race? So um, not so good with like gels and stuff. So tend to have like an electrolyte drink um, and then have have sort of various various sorts of like solids, like these sort of mushed up date nut bar kind of things which you can find lots of different iterations of in various parts of the yeah. world but yeah like the um yeah 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 no that kind of thing i think walter's trying to whisper or something oh stroop waffles as well i forgot about the stroop waffles that's true yeah so the um the the sort of i well i, I, I yeah I would say like a national treat <laughs> in the Netherlands is stroop waffles, which is um, they're basically like syrup, I syrup waffles. And they're yeah. like the little round things, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah, yeah I yeah, had them when yeah, I was over there. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. super good. And, and actually, yeah, <laughs> indeed, you can buy like mini ones, which are maybe three centimeters across. Yeah. Um, and so they're perfect for like, you know, every 10 or 15 minutes I have a straw waffle and then <laughs> you know and they're, 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 they're like a solid amount of energy I'm sure I'm not I have no idea how, actually how much but yeah it's a solid hit it of works. sugar so it, it works yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, have you run a fresh marathon really focused fresh marathon and how does no. that compete no, if, no. if you did what do you think you could run if you spent say six months just running injury free and you just gave it everything you could we got you a pair of nike yeah what do you think you might be able to run um so i have run as part of an ultra marathon again this this speaks to my my trend of starting way too hard but i i on the trail <laughs> ran yeah. under three hours for the for, for the first marathon out of a hundred and 16 or 17k race oh well okay. yeah i was walking walking at the end yeah, but <laughs> yeah. so um i'm 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 confident i could get then under three hours so um yeah i mean based on my half marathon time it should be about 242 243 but nice. like yeah i would i would need maybe a bit more than six months to do that yeah. <laughs> And the other two random questions we don't ask females, but I can, it's whether you wax or shave, but back it up. Well over there. More stalking. Well over More stalking. Husband doesn't, uh, doesn't do either by the look of his no. legs. And, <laughs> and does husband use any facial uh, products? Oh, yes, he definitely does. He used to work for L'Oreal, so oh, yeah. oh, it's kind God. of like in, in the... It's in it into the world. Making us man feel bad yeah. about it. Wrinkles. What do you, what do you, is this day cream? You day cream as well. Men expert, there Men we go. That, I hope, we go. hopefully, that, that means oh, more yeah. more to some people than it does to me. <laughs> oh god, just gone down a couple of notches. <laughs> um, so, Kelp Man, any anything else planned for this year? Um, so, I am also um, yeah, nothing but halves, but <laughs> also entered for Swedeman, which. Um, is another X-Try race okay. in now mm-hmm. uh, the north of Sweden. Um, so yeah, we're going to take the camper van and spend like a, a month in Sweden and, and Norway as well. So never been to Norway. Pretty excited about that. Um, and I think, you know, sort of between the two races, yeah, well, if... if if I've managed to have a good, consistent, what are we now, like five months between now and Kaltman, um, which which would be awesome, is definitely my plan, then look at doing um, an Ironman sort of around that that July sort of time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe. I would love to do Roth, some, but I don't think this is the year to do Roth. I think I need a bit more, <laughs> a bit more of a build up to do Roth. Um, and, you know, maybe also have a crack at qualifying for Taupo because it would be, while, well, mm-hmm. um, yeah, 
me and 70.3 is maybe a bit of a it's not a love-hate relationship but i'm not super built for that but it would be awesome to race yeah. here at home and yeah world champs that's yeah that would be super cool so yeah there are for some a few options there that come right at the end of the qualifying period um yeah and then actually we're uh, so my husband and i were entered in a team for the pioneer oh, um, right. we were supposed to do it at the end of last year what are we um, here for we go home on Saturday, oh, okay. uh, so we've been here for six weeks. Okay. Um, yeah, so 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 back to back to the storms <laughs> in, in northern Europe. Um, but yeah, so so then we'll be back in November, indeed, to do to do Pioneer. Um, so that should be that should be pretty awesome. Yeah, that's um, nice. And we have. Um, yeah, in September, and I need to. We're uh, <laughs> some friends of ours, um, so we're doing the the Dart 10K, which is a quite a, a famous 10K swim down the Dart River. Down mm. being being the uh, sort of yeah important word in that sentence, <laughs> thankfully, because 10K is a long way. Um, in the UK in September, and then we have friends who are organising. Um, they have a sort of a, a swim event called Doctor Doc, and we'll do. We were going to do the 10K. I'm sorry, guys, I think we might do the 5K because it's the weekend after the Dart 10K. Oh, okay. Um, as part of that, but that's pretty cool. So you're swimming in the London docks, so like right in the heart of London. Um, mm. Yeah, and there are a few different options there. So we'll we'll go and help out at that event as well. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Um, if people want to follow you, what's the best way? You know, you got a website with a nice little link to your Instagram account. What's if people want to find out more about you? What do they do? Uh, so I was, I'm not I'm not super active on social media. <laughs> I, I, it comes and goes. Yeah, um, can be bothered. And, uh, <laughs> so I do. I love taking the photos um, and and doing that sort of side of things. But um, yeah, not not so good with, with with the socials. But my Instagram is Sonia.kiwi. Nice. Yeah. Also, that's my the my website address. The website has not been updated for a very long period of time. Well, it's okay. <laughs> you did, you're, uh, you're amongst many other pro athletes. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. thanks for coming on the show and supporting the show as well. And uh, it's good to see you in New Zealand. And uh, we'll hope to see you at some races uh, next summer. Yeah. yeah thank you. Thanks yeah. so much. Cheers. John, your thoughts. Great. I love uh, hearing from Kiwis. Uh, Kiwis making it on the world stage. Bit of a challenging year with all those injuries and stuff, but uh, fingers crossed she can get back up there and start smoking it for the uh, for the Kiwis. Go the Kiwis. Give them a taste of Kiwi. I love that song. Gosh. <laughs> There's a song. And uh, it says, give them a taste of Kiwi. And, uh, but somewhere in the song, this guy randomly yells out, give them a taste. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay, John. So last questions and answers. We've got a link through here about Wanda Sports considering $1 billion sale of Ironman Triathlon. So it was an article on Bloomberg.com. Uh, and it's kind of saying that they are looking to sell. It's, it is talking about how they, they turn down the offer from the mm-hmm. professional triathlon organization. But what's fascinating about this article is that since they went to the to the share market, they lost 40%, 46% of their share price. But then when this got announced, it right back up to where they announced. Mm-hmm. So it's been up 46% one day. They're going to make a good little return if they can. Uh, they bought it for a lot less than a billion dollars. <laughs> so if they can... Uh, I think they bought it for about six, 650, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. so if they can... Uh, buy it to this this mystery group it's going to be pretty fascinating and if that mystery group does somehow involve people from the PTO and that's that's where potentially this income for the PTO might come in the future if that happens to be the case but if it just ends up going off to another um, venture capital group then uh, we're not none the better but if it does can sort of wiggle its way into the PTO it would be fantastic okay well speed walker swanee now I think he turned 40 didn't he did he I think I saw on Facebook he's turned 40 
think he is. He did more research than me. Well, he said his 10 seconds of ten seconds of Google research. So last week we were talking about do wheelchair athletes or disabled athletes make money? Because we're saying that, which race was it? Uh, I think it was the US, it was one of the World Cup races where there was going to be a para try option and they were going to be earning equitable money with the ITU athletes that were racing in the World Cup race. And so... And I thought that was great. And I said the comment, without doing any research whatsoever, I'd be surprised if there was much other prize money for para-athletes anywhere else in the world. It turns um, out in Bevan came, no, but Bevan came back and he correctly said, yeah, anything that's going to be well-televised, you kind of thought yeah. there might be something. And you were right. And, and that's because Swanee did the homework here. And basically what happens is in the New York Marathon, both winners collect 25000 uh, This is a five-fold increase from last year, so it's increasing as time goes along. Uh, the winner's price purse for the whole wheelchair division is 155000 up 125000 from last year, which is awesome. That's an Ironman. That's more than most Ironman, isn't it? Yeah. You know, when you think of it like that, Google tells them also that in the London Marathon gives wheelchair athletes £17,600. Um, so it seems like at the major marathons, the wheelchair um, race is definitely getting some, some good money. It, but it, we've got to remember, wheelchair racing is only one part of, of para-sport, so I do wonder if they offer anything for other para-athletes in terms of mm-hmm. blind athletes, um, in terms of other athletes with disabilities, whether they've lost a limb or something like that. Again, I've done no research on that, just thinking on the fly. Well, he is saying here he strongly, 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 strongly suspects that they wouldn't get any appearance fees. Mm. So that's interesting as well. The other thing he, he wants to have a rant of the week about okay, is just as bad about me ranting about uh, how I mean New Zealand have changed all the times and what have you and got the 70.3 going before the Ironman. He says uh, Ironman New Zealand also no, no longer is going to have their awards dinner at night, which was a real... I thought it happened a few years ago. I thought uh, they did the give you an voucher. Or was it the no? That was, that was in Cairns or something like that. Oh, um, okay. I think that was pre-race. Uh, so now it's going to be an award such afterwards. I get Swanee's point, but it's kind of moving with the times. Uh, I think with in terms of is it like so? But do you know that's a fact? Like, do when you go to an Ironman and they're still having those awards, do most people turn up? I don't know that for a fact, but I suspect. That most a lot of people would be leaving at some stage on Sunday rather yeah, than necessarily staying the there. Sorry, it's always been the case. Yeah, I, I think this is Iron Man's a victim of his own success here because it used to be that Iron Man, you know, especially for us Kiwis, there was one Iron Man and and there wasn't that many other races in the world. Now people go and travel and do Iron Mans all over the place. It's not as big a deal, and so people aren't necessarily going to have that massive big party afterwards because they've been and done lots of different Iron Mans. So. I think it's unfortunately a bit of a sign of the times. I used to love going to the um, the after party and going out and having a few drinksies afterwards. So what are they doing now? Having a lunch, just a, a lunch awards, which I think is... So is, is it going to be similar? Well, I, don't, I presume you have lunch and you do the awards instead of having dinner in the awards. Okay. They had a nightmare at the Dubai 70.3 uh, a few weeks ago and we got an email through saying it was a bit of a debacle. Unfortunate. This is just a terrible, unfortunate situation. The timing system failed, and then it failed again, and so they had all these results that were basically invalid, and they had a nightmare trying to decide who got the slots, and they ended up having two categories, and it just sounded like it turned into a complete palaver, and I feel sorry for everybody here. Yeah, Lynette Wan sent through the message about it, because she won her age group overall, Mm. and she was really frustrated because she didn't kind of get the love for that. Yeah, and totally see the frustration, and from an event organiser's point of view this is like your worst nightmare like it's not like it's poor planning it's like because well, i think even their backup one went down yeah 
And I was thinking, as I was biking over here, I was thinking, God, I, I, I had a few events a few years ago where I was just using the electronic timing. And I thought, bugger this, if this, it's never, my timing guy says it's never broken down before. Yeah, never happened. Up. It's going to happen one day though. Yeah. And so I do, I do a manual backup now uh, at all races. But, the, but, but, but you don't do rolling starts. And this is the problem. Yeah. Stupid rolling starts, which Stupid. I know some people like. I dis- dislike them. Uh, screws it. So you can't just go, oh, we'll just do a manual backup or we'll look at, have a video camera at the end because you've got no idea when people start. So wave starts, get rid of the rolling start. So what actually happened there in the end? Um, they're trying to do the best that they can in terms of, I think they've got two categories, the time, ones that they've got the times for and the ones that they haven't got the swim times for. But it's just... Uh, it's just going to be a palaver. There's no winning solution to that one. Okay. Uh, we were just talking about the shoes last week and the, the vapor flies. Uh, and it is interesting because you did a little bit of kind of your five second research. And it does open up a can of worms. It did open up a can of worms. Now, John, on that discussion, I watched the YouTube clip this week. Uh, I think the Wall Street Journal, whatever it was, or Washington Post or something, had done an article on it and a video clip on it. I would really like to use them, not because of the speed. But the guy who was on the treadmill, so they got one of the America's top runners, mm. and he wears the boosts. There is boost. I love the boosts because for me, the most important thing for me now is, is I'm getting all this cushioning. I just mm-hmm. want cushioning in my shoes. I've done a lot of impact in my years. You know that mm-hmm. cushioning really makes a difference. He said, going from the boost, which I love because of the cushioning, mm. to the vapor flies was like running on clouds. Mm. So for me, it's not so much a speed thing; it's more looking after my body thing. Mm. And so. If, if now a million, I don't know if I'm gonna pay four hundred fifty bucks for that. But for me, it's I would I would if if they're reasonably priced within kind of everything else that's on the market, I'm going for them not because of speed because I'm trying to preserve my body. Well, Brett Sutton's got his again got his two cents worth on this uh, topic as well, and you know it seemed unequivocal that for the top athletes, you got to be in the Nike shoe well, he, he or something about similar. Porn, didn't he? But he's sort of saying, look, I think there's a, this is opinion, his stuff's opinion based. Yep. It's not science based. Um, and we've seen the science that came out. I think it was, well, well, it wasn't Wall Street, Washington, Washington Post, Post yeah. which did the number crunching and just said, this is a no brainer. Yeah. Um, but he's really saying he thinks for, for age group athletes, for slower athletes, that there's some serious uh, limitations and potential injury risks. That's opinion based stuff. Well, what he but said was points. basically for front foot runners, great, use them. Midfoot, maybe. Heel shockers, you're wasting your time. Yeah, so, um, so yes, still uh, interesting days, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. But we did have uh, good old Ben Cobra said that uh, Jan Fredino has recently just left ASIC, so I did see that elsewhere as well. If you watch the Super League, you see lots of them wearing the Nike um, Nike Next Percents. Uh, he says the British guys are in the, uh, quite a few of them are in the New, ba- new Balance because they've got a New Balance team over there. ASICs have launched their, their new shoe, New Balance have launched their new shoe, Brooks um, have la- launched all theirs. So Hoka have um, brought one out as well. Uh, but apparently theirs might need a little bit of tweaking because it had two carbon plates. And then we also had uh, good old Angus the Wild Bull Boyd. He also sent through... He did through, the work, didn't he? Well, he, he, no, he referenced us to the Slow Twitch article last year, which um, does all the, the count, the shoe count, bike counts, etc. And the, the number of people wearing the Nikes over there is significant. So the top three females, Anne Haug, Lucy Charles, Sarah Crowley. Uh, so of the top... Seven, uh, all but two were wearing um, Nike Next Percents or Vaporflies. Um, and then on the male side, again, out of the top 15, 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine out of the top 15 were all wearing Nikes and a couple of the others uh, like Jan Fredino was wearing an, an ASICS prototype and Keenlay was wearing a New Balance prototype. So um, I just, uh, what sparked my interest last week was that a lot of the athletes just didn't appear to have shoe sponsors or they weren't yelling and screaming it on their websites at least um, and certainly other than Vincent Louis. I don't recall anybody else being sponsored by Nike in terms of what I could see. Apparently, um, Javier Gomez, Gomez is on uh, on, and apparently he has been sponsored by them, but it on on running shoes oh, on yeah, the cloud. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. but I didn't see that on his website, so it mustn't be one of his major ones. Well, so we are seeing it's really influencing our sport. Then. Oh yeah, big time. Like you know, if you're looking at this kind of this uh, spreadsheet that Ben sent through to us. Nike's dominating, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah. So. Without even sponsoring anybody. Yeah, well, but hey, if you're an athlete and you're a pro, mm. it'll be interesting to see what happens with Yarn then. Mm. Hey, like because if he's uh, is that because he wants a better shoe or is it just because? Yeah, don't know. Yeah, interesting times. Um, okay, just one other little email here from Duncan Penfold. He said, "I know it's not much, but the roll down for Taupo slots in Geelong seventy point three on the weekend went really deep. Nick and Sandra, two Christchurch-born athletes from my Brisbane-based club, Southbank Tri Club, placed thirty-seventh out of one hundred fifty-seventh and twentieth out of sixty-five, respectively, and they are both stoked because they could barely able to walk. So they obviously got slots. Yes, yeah, so that much of a roll down seems a little bit odd. Well, I would have thought races in Australia um, for World Champs in New Zealand would." Um, the the slots would go pretty quickly, but it appears not. So that tells me either people don't give a shit, or there's too many slots. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, rolling down to. Are you doing it? No. Why no, not? Because I don't want to. Yeah, why not? Because it's it's in Taup. I'd rather go somewhere else exciting, and but it's, it's a, a bad, world champs. But it's a bad time of the year for me as well. Uh. November is not a good time of the year. Uh. November and March are not good times. Uh, so 37th out of 158 and 20 out of 65. Good work to you guys for getting your slots. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, rolling a long way. And I, th- and I think over in Europe, you know, it's going to roll a long way. When you've got a when you've got the 70.3s in the States, the slots in the States are going to go really quick. Um, when you've got them in Europe, the slots in Europe are going to go quick. When it's in New Zealand, I would have thought that in Australia they'd go quickly. But yeah, that's really fascinating, isn't it? Especially this part of the season because it's still early. Really? Mm. You know, maybe later in the season you kind of think, well, everyone's taking their slots. Mm. Um, so so is, that, is that a bad sign on this race? Well, because it's gone to the two-day format now, there's just going to be so many slots oh, floating around all course. the place. So. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Fingers crossed it's going to be an awesome event. Okay, John, we've got a new pa- couple of new patrons. We've got Grant Petrie, long-time listener and high school cross-country coach. Oh, nice. At the urging of friends, I began competing in triathlon in 2005. I podium in his first one and fell in love with the sport. I met John on a bus in Brisbane while going to the Worlds in 2009 and have done two, uh, two of our camps. He did wrote... Was it the first year or the second year? Can't yep. remember which year, which year it was that we went over there. Uh, and he's also come and done a Kona camp. Now, um, I do remember this incident with Grant on the bus because I was flying in at that stage. I was coaching one of the top or the top junior uh, athletes in New Zealand who was racing the world champs. And the world champs was at the Gold Coast, and you have to catch a bus from the Brisbane airport down to the Gold Coast. And I was just sitting on the bus, and Grant was a couple of rows back, and he goes, Are you John Newsome? Oh, really? How the hell 
did you know that? Uh, so I had a chat to him on the bus. So he was lovely. I, I, remember, I remember going from he was. He, he's guy who's just raced forever, isn't he? He's he is. beast, and he's travelled a lot as well with his work. He's moved all over the place. Uh, I don't think it was in the wasn't in the military, but it was working for a government agency, working all over he's a spy. Uh, all over the world. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Grant the spy. Grant the spy, Petrie. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> that nice. was an easy one, Grant. Yeah. You're the spy. We know it. And Matt Evans. Um, we had Matt. Should Evans. you call the spy a spy? The spy. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably not. But it could be, he could be a spy. Anyway, uh, Matt Evans, um, we actually had Matt on the show a few years ago um, <coughs> talking about sort of cheating and the sort of psychology oh, of cheating. That, yeah. It was a few years ago that we had him on. Uh, I haven't got Matt's picture remember here. Remember those guys we had in Kona that time we were trying to figure out the ethical way to catch people cheating? Remember that? What was it that? clean sport? Yeah, yeah what did, did ever happen? That was, uh, that was quite interesting yeah. in terms of... Picking people when they're lying and, and things yeah. like that. It was kind of cool. Um, so we've got a picture. Our picture from Matt is going to be from him doing his first Ironman in Wales in 2012. And yeah, he was wearing an SLS tri-suit. Remember them? Yeah. Um, and he's got a message on the back which, which was meant to acknowledge the enormous patience that my wife had in supporting me with the training. But I found out whilst on the course, spectators seemed to think I was referencing something much more bedroom related. What did it say? Uh, give me a second, Bevan. Uh, there we go. Hold on. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Waiting for the internet to come along. Uh, Matt Evans. On the back said, my wife does the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> So he had that uh, screen printed on the back of his uh, his tri suit when he was doing his first Ironman in Wales. Uh, and good old Matt, he raced in Kona in 2015 and qualified again last year, but didn't take the slot. I'm hoping to qualify and race again this year before taking a break from the long stuff. So maybe I'll see you there. So hopefully, Matt, we do see you in Kona later this year. So what's the so, nickname? So my wife does the hard it's, it's work. It's going to be something like that, doesn't it? There's so many ways we can do Don't go genre. too sexual with no, us, Bevan, but no. we've got to go down that avenue, I think. We've got to go down sexual avenue. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got all things. I've just yeah, got that's to, the problem. I've got to <laughs> just bite my tongue here, I think. Uh, um, oh, John. Oh, it's too hard. It is. It's too... It's too hard. <laughs> okay. There you go, Matt Evans. <laughs> it's too... <laughs> Hard. <laughs> there we go. You can shorten that to ITH. <laughs> yeah, ITH is probably some for the kids. That's <laughs> not like porno, because nickname, porno's nickname is porno. And we've got all these young kids, and we always call them porno, who don't get it yet. Yeah. But there's going to be a moment, there's going to be a problem. Mm. And it, porno's got like tops of porno written on the back of yeah. it. So it's going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue. Uh, Thanks to all the patrons. Really appreciate it. It helps us get over to Kona every year and produce uh, produce this, not every year, every second year, produce this show, keep it all rolling, and uh, we appreciate all your support. And if you are going to be a patron, we are doing a draw next week. Next week. So you do want to get into it this week. Uh, if you want to get show emailed to you, go to www.iamtalk.me, front page down the bottom, put your info in. If you want to become a patron, same page, same place. Look for become a patron and just join us. If you want some coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. If you want to check out my podcast, Bevan James Owls, I had a great interview yesterday, John. Yeah. So I had this guy on who's like a top psychologist talking about the effects of childhood trauma. No, but it was Oh, really, yeah, no, I totally get it. But but they, they did this study and it was like 
17,000 people did it. So it was mm. pretty, pretty inconclusive. Uh, overweight people. Mm-hmm. And basically, the majority of overweight people have had childhood trauma that they haven't dealt with. Mm. And even when you – so they did this study where they got them to do, um, I don't know, good diet and good you know exercise and all the rest yep. of it. And it really didn't affect. But then once they started to deal with their childhood trauma – suddenly they got on top of it. Mm. And so this real thing is, is that often these, because he's talking about like the, the effects of childhood trauma. So he talks about like cortisone is really bad for you if it's always in your system mm-hmm. and because it's kind of a fight or, you know, fight or fight response. And those who have childhood trauma always have cortisone in their system and this is mm-hmm. real. And when your cortisone's up, your immune system drops down. Mm-hmm. And so they basically have really weak immune systems. Fascinating interview. So if you are interested in that kind of stuff, check out my latest podcast. Go to, it's called The Bevan James Oil Show. Um, but just go to my website as well because it's, it was a really, really good interview. Uh, other content such as age groupers a week, cool websites and other feedback, just email us at imtalkpodcast.gmail.com. John? We, we forgot to do Wang of the Week, Bevan. Wanger of the Week. Oh, we did too. Uh, give us a number, Bevan. Seventh round. That's when Fury won, wasn't it? Seventh round, seventh I think. Round, yep. so seventh place. Um, it was Macca. Who? Michael Macca. Uh, Michael Macca. Michael Macca Kennedy. Did 20 hours and 44 minutes. Did 2 hours and 40 minutes of swimming. 12 hours and 24 minutes on the bike. And 5 hours and 40 minutes of running. He's a summit member on uh, good old Strava. He's from Australia and he's averaging four rides per week, average distance per week, 317 kilometres. And all time, you've got me there, Michael. He's done 45,000 kilometres of riding, beats my 43,000 kilometres, and his biggest ride was 201 kilometres, and the biggest climb, 1,533 metres. So nice work, Michael. You're probably in the middle of your season. Good luck with the rest of it. Do have to give two other people that I just saw on our Wanger of the Week a little bit of attention. Um, so in the longest activity, Vaughan Hunt took that out with 8 hours 49.21. But in second place and third place, Nicole Kelsey did 6 hours and 54 37 along with Marie Hill and I know that because they went out and they did this ride in Christchurch it's called the Coffee Club uh, Coffee Culture Ride yeah and you basically go and ride all the coffee cultures in Christchurch yeah all the coffee cultures they're spread all over the place and whilst they had 6 hours 54 uh, of riding for 180 kilometres of distance uh that was just their moving time. It actually takes a shitload longer than that to actually go through them. So I'm not sure how long they, they stopped for, but I do know that they struggled uh, to make the, the closing time at the last one <laughs> and they had to drop the hammer to make it to the last coffee culture in time before it closed. It's so a good work. There was a bunch effort. of girls uh, that Have did it. That? No, I haven't. Uh, and, but Marie was dragging them along and there was a few that that was by far their longest ride of their entire lives. That's a cool thing for a coffee shop to do, isn't it? Mm. Create a cool little kind of fun little thing for you to do as a as a community. It's good mm-hmm. stuff. I should forward on to Joe Skipper today. He's been asking me all these training sessions, going out and doing all our classic stuff in Christchurch. I sent him out on our lovely Godly Head Run and I sent him out on the Gorges and Long Bays and yeah, I'll send him out on this. Do you do the old Mount Pleasant Hill repeats? I haven't given, I haven't prescribed that to Joe Skipper, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> There we go. Uh, okay, John, your goss. What's my goss? Uh, back in the racing scene, did a race on Friday night. I saw that. What was that about? Oh, but toasty. What was, was the race? It was just a little these little super sprint country low key races. Just wanted to get out there. The kids were going to be doing it, so I went out there and tried to lay the smack down, and I uh, was semi successful in doing so. 
got taken out on the run, which was somewhat surprising because I thought I had the weight race one coming off the bike. Got a little bit cocky. Uh, Where'd you go wrong? Well, I didn't really go wrong. I actually probably performed better than I deserved given how unfit I am. And so it's, it was a 400-meter swim. Got, decided to go the wetsuit for the swim, which I think was the right decision, but got cleaned out by this uh, the fellow who ended up winning. He would have had... I don't know, maybe 20, 30 seconds on me and 400 metres, plus I was wearing a wetsuit. So and he wasn't? He wasn't, so I think that shows... So he had a bit of transition as well? Yep, so by the time onto the bike, I'm sure it would have been 30 so seconds. Second. Why did you wear one? Well, I was weighing it up, and I just thought it was the right decision. And in hindsight, I think it probably was, because there was another girl that beat me onto the bike, and last year she also beat me onto the bike, but by less, and she was not wearing a wetsuit. Okay. So I think... It was pretty close, over 400 metres, but I think I probably just got the edge. So I I, I rode as hard as I could, and I'm nowhere near as fit as what I was last year. Caught the guy with maybe 1k to go on the bike, it was a 16k bike, and just I I generally back myself that I'm going to outrun most people. And so it's an all off-road run. You run around this lake. Where are you doing this? Uh, Way out in the middle of nowhere. On this this lake, just uh, in the middle of nowhere. And you run around this first lake just on grassy, it's a, like a paddock, and he's sort of behind me, he's huffing and puffing, and I think, oh, yeah, I've got yeah. this, I think, I'm, I think I'm okay here. And then the mid, middle stretch, you've got, you, you, you hook onto this uh, shingle road, and then the last stretch, you, you're just running around this other lake. And so I thought, I'll just wait till we get on that shingle road, and then I'll just open a cannibal pass on him. Yeah, and, uh, yeah you show him, John. Get on the shingle road. He opens his cannibal pass on me. Oh, like, really? Oh, oh, this is a little bit too hard. <laughs> and uh, he ended up beating me by about 10 seconds. Oh, bugger. So, was it, were you mentally weak? Uh, I was pretty rooted at the finish. Yeah. Yes, I could probably say I possibly could have gone harder, um, but I wouldn't say I cracked. And when I looked at my times, I thought it's pretty good for where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. And I was, uh, it's Tuesday now, and this race was on Friday, and I'm still a little bit tired. Okay. So maybe I've touched weak, but I did push pretty hard. Okay. Good so that was good times. Um, and then. Did many people do that race? Oh. 150, which is about the capacity they can have for that event. Other than that, I was daddy daycare for the weekend. My wife's dad had a quadruple bypass a couple of weeks ago. So she's having to, she was looking after him for the weekend. So I had the kids all weekend. So so that was about my weekend. What's the best thing about having the kids all weekend? Well, I always have the strategy, you invite friends around. Yeah, that's the best (laughs) strategy, John. And then I just... Let them go. Then I clean my office. Yeah. So that was my Saturday afternoon. Oh, so now when I go on Skype, you're actually not blurring the background? Sorry? When you go on Skype? No, still still blur background. okay. Okay. So that was my weekend. Uh, What's the worst thing about having all the kids your weekend? The cleaning. Yeah. I'm okay with the cooking. I'm not good in the cleaning department. So just uh, just, that just takes forever. Bevan, what's happening in your world? John, John, John. What have I been doing? Well, I tell you one thing. I watched the fight. Did you watch the fight? I, I saw the highlights. That was about the, and that was about all I wanted to see, and that was pretty, pretty good. It was, it was, it was heavyweight boxing is just awesome right now, because mm-hmm. now there's just so many dynamics about it. So I'm loving heavyweight boxing right now. So I watched that. Went down to the pub. Nice. After you go to the pub, very rarely. Yeah, I did like going to the pub. It was for us Kiwis. It was on uh, set Sunday afternoon. Kind of late, early evening, actually. Early the fight evening. probably didn't start till six, maybe a little bit after six. So um, that was really good. Uh, what else did I do, John? Worked up at the gym. You guys don't care about that. Um, went for a run. I haven't been for a run recently. Go. Mm. Uh, no, I'll tell you what. It's exciting. I did a, I did a 40-minute Harry L. Yeah. Here's one, John. So we're going up Harry Ale. Joe's, we'll, we'll do a Harry Ale. So from my house up Harry Ale, back to 8K, almost on the dot. So this is the Harry Ale is, it's a uh, dirt track. 
and it's beautiful. Uh, just a really gentle gradient, probably three percent, maybe four yeah, percent, something like that. that. Mm. You know, but getting there's a bit of a mish. Yeah, it's coming out of the driveway up to the top, but but you warm up, you kind of get into it. Coming down, Joe always sets the pace, mm-hmm. and it's because it's just us spending. It's about a forty-minute run, so Joe sets the pace. I always run behind her. Go up, pretty comfortably. Joe runs downhill pretty quick. Go so ahead. we turn around. She starts putting the foot down. Okay, I've got to get off my wife. We pass this guy, and then he and I'm behind her. Jumped he on your wheel. Jumped on my wheel, mm-hmm. and we were way faster than mm-hmm. on the way as we because he was like on the way up. He was coming down, and we we pass him. So we think, oh, drop this guy. He just sat on my wheel, and he said, not just like. Is it right on my toes? There's one solution for that, Bevan. Well, I wasn't leading the pace. No, there's another solution for that, well, Bevan. Oh, your pants. Just a nice big greasy fart. Oh, the fart factor. <laughs> the fart factor. Learn from my fart that we did in, uh, in, in Honolulu when we were going through the tunnel. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Walking, yeah. Well, you fart a lot when you run. Yeah, John's John's the the popper farter. Farty pants. Yeah, that's you call me. Yep, you really are. Um, so, but we did end up dropping him. But but I tell you what, when you don't run much, and mm. I'm 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 fit. Mm. Don't get me wrong, I, I'm fit, and I'm doing lots of I do impact at the gym, so it's not I'm not doing any impact at all. But OMG, my legs. I think you need some Nike next percent, don't you? I, I really do, John. If Nike want to sponsor me and give me five hundred thousand a year to do yep. some story, I'll make it work. There you go. Okay. Actually, one thing I am doing, John, right now that I'm going to slightly kind of tease to the audience is I'm writing my second book, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping I'll have it done by the end of the year. Um, I'm kind of writing it for about three hours a week right now, but I, I might give myself a couple of weeks where I go deeper into it. Um, but I'm writing a book where the basic premise is you're going to love exercise a year from now. Mm-hmm. And it's designed for people who aren't exercising at all. And that's all I'm going to tell you right now because I've, I've, there's a lot of work to be done around this. But one one thing I want you guys to be aware of is that when this book comes out, I'm going to need your help to get it out there. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I'm trying to write a book that can really, really help non-exercisers be successful with exercise. And I put a lot of thought into how that I can make that happen. Um, and I'm putting a lot of work into it. I've just about finished the first well, – I've done – Two chapters, but the first real big chapter, third chapter of it, I've just about finished it, and, I, and I've sent it to a couple of people, and I've been getting really good feedback on it. Um, and so, just at the end of this year, or when it starts to come out next year, I'll, I'll, you guys, it's not oh, for you're you. You're gonna miss the Christmas time. You're gonna miss the Christmas rush. Oh, I don't know if that, that really matters, but but I just, I really want to help non-exercisers love exercise. And I, I do that a lot for my business anyway. I'm really proud of what my business does. But I want you guys to help me help other people when it comes out. So I'm just kind of putting the teaser out there right now. But in the back of your mind to know that later on, or probably in the next 12 months, I was going to release a book. And you can do your bit to help me kind of get that to people who aren't exercising. Because I'm trying to create a formula where someone who's not exercising can pick it up and go, I can do this. Mm. And in a year from now, because my goal is that they have fitness in their life forever. Mm-hmm. But it's a year journey they'll go through to get there. So mm-hmm. just in the back of your mind, you're going to be helping me out this time next year. Good stuff. Let's wrap it up, John. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.